again, we are thankful and we are blessed to have an opportunity to open your word. So, Father, would you be our teacher and would you guide us in these moments in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I appreciate your patience uh, as we're kind of skipping back and forth. We're on, we're off, we're on, we're off. With all the other church activities that are going on, it's fun to be part of a busy church. And so, uh, we celebrate. These are all good things after we be together. I think in the coming weeks we will be meeting pretty much every week. As we get closer to Christmas, things will start to change. We'll take a couple weeks off. But I don't, I don't think there are any other events coming up in the next month or so that will disrupt our Sunday morning schedule. So, hopefully we'll be able to walk through a few more books of the, of the New Testament during that time. And we're going to take a look at the book of Ephesians today. How many of you maybe didn't bring a copy of your course notes today? Very soon I'm going to start keeping track. <laughs> Thank you, sir. So, I want you to imagine. I'll try to do better, sir. <laughs> We're taking notes. <laughs> so, it's a, a, Paul, as he writes to the church at Ephesus, is really answering a really, really simple question What is the church? <laughs> um, Imagine if you were part of a discussion group, which you can be with our connection groups or home Bible study. Or imagine someone at the office says, well, what is the church? What is the church? I mean, we, we have cultural conceptions of what the church is. We, we have things that we do that we call the church. We have places that we call the church. Uh, but what, what is the church? What should the church look like? What is the church composed of? Who are in the church? Who are not in the church? What are the responsibilities of the church? What, what is God doing in the church? What does the church understand about its relationship to the Lord? Uh, how do we live with one another in the context of church or community of the redeemed? And the book of Ephesians is a great place to go. Paul would have written this book as one of the prison epistles, which means that around 68, 62 AD, he was in Roman prison and he wrote several letters that we have that are a collection of books called the prison epistles because he wrote them about the same time. Uh, two of them, Philippians and, I'm sorry, uh, Ephesians and Colossians, have approximately the same content. Perhaps there are similar things going on in those different cities of Colossae and Ephesus. And the other two, Philippians, the book of Joel in this suffering, it talks about what it's like to be a prisoner and how it's advancing the cause of the gospel and how do we press on in the gospel. And by the way, people we should get along. Those are the things that are going on in Philippians. And then Philemon, or Philemon, depending on what part of the country you're from, um, is, a, is an individual letter written to a slave owner asking that he be reconciled with his runaway slave. And we'll get to that letter. But those were all written at approximately the same time. We don't know exactly how long Paul was in prison. It could have been several months. It could have been a couple of years. There's a little bit of uh, fudging going on with some of the dates. But Ephesians would be one of those letters that he would have been writing as he was sitting in a, in a, in a Roman prison. Now, this is not the imprisonment, at least in my understanding, of the legend's martyr. I understand that he was released for a period of time, did some ministry for a few years, was put back in prison, and that's when he died of martyr's death. And during that time, he would have written 2 Timothy as his final letter uh, to, to the church or to individuals, at least as far as what is in our Bibles. Okay? So, it's one of those prison epistles teaching on the nature of the church, and it's approximately divided into three equal halves. In the first half of, of Ephesians, it's great teaching on who we are. What did I say in my book? Ephesians, I said, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. okay. My brain is on several different tracks 
Some tried to say maybe it was written a little earlier, maybe it was written a little later. It would be nice if he had put his uh, timeline on it, you know. But they didn't do that in antiquity. So we just have to try to um, look at all the different cues that we see, for example, in the book of Acts. When was Paul in this city or this city? On which trip? Who did he visit? Who is he referred to? What is he talking about? And then from there, try to piece together when he would have written these letters. And, and so that's the best guess we have, though your eternal salvation is not contingent on what year you think Paul wrote the letter to church. Okay? Just want to know if Jim's paying attention. Where is Ephesus? If you had to find Ephesus on a map, where is it? Greece. Asia Minor. Asia Minor, okay. Turkey. Yeah, I mean, I showed it to you. Today, where is Ephesus? Turkey. What city? What, what country? Turkey. Turkey. Oh, okay. Oh, Ephesus will be one of the seven cities that John wrote to when he was on the Isle of Patmos, when he was being under persecution for his faith. I hope the Lord opens the door for you one day to be able to go on a a cruise to the Mediterranean and go to the seven cities of the apocalypse. It is very encouraging, very interesting. I, I've had the privilege of going to two. I wasn't part of an official tour. I just went to conferences in my previous organization. We would often meet in Turkey, coming out of North Africa and the Middle East. Meet in Turkey, we'd see one city or another. Uh, but every time I went on one of these journeys, it was fun just to walk back in time. Um, but you also see some of the ugliness of, <laughs> of church history as well. For example, in Ephesus, there are two burial places for the Apostle John. 
<laughs> and depending on whether you're part of this, this wing of the church or this wing of the church, you know, it's where, where you think you're supposed to go in your pilgrimage if you go on such a thing. Um, and, and where John was actually buried. Uh, I'm a little sanguine about that whole thing, and I'm like, John's really not concerned about where he's buried, and he's enjoying the felicity of being in Christ's presence, and he'll tell us when we see him one day. But until then, let's not lose a lot of sleep over arguing about this one or this one. Okay? So, have any of you actually, in your, not in your personal study, but been part of an official Bible study going through the book of Ephesians? I'm sure we have some time. I must have been really impactful. Okay. Yeah. Where? 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 Uh, I, I did a little group with some men. Okay. We go to Starbucks and go to Starbucks. Yes, sir. Sinclair Ferguson. <laughs> uh, Sinclair Ferguson. What, what's the title of the book? Let's let's study. Uh, let's study Ephesians together or something like that. Yeah. Okay. We we had to translate a lot of Scottish. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Scottish to American. Yes, yeah. There are a few little expressions in there. So, it's just a fun book to study. It's eminently practical, deep theology. It puts us in our place, frankly. If you can read through Ephesians 2 and think that somehow you're really important in the whole process of your salvation, go back and read it again. All right? When we were dead in our trespasses and sins, He made us alive in Christ by grace. You love to say, therefore, we don't be boasting. You know, it just um, it puts us in our place. But what it does do is it exalts grace. It exalts the grace of God. And ultimately, that's what we want in our lives. We want God to be exalted for what He has done, not to somehow put our own imprimatur on something and say, "Well, you know, I'm kind of a big deal around here." <laughs> No, we don't even want to say that in the presence of God, do we? So if we looked at that, the few times he spent in prison, I think it was in Rome, and said it's not that important. Very easy outline. Remember I said some books are really difficult to outline. This one is particularly easy. It's all about the new community in Christ. That God's breaking down the dividing wall between those Jews and Gentiles, those that were separate now are brought near. So the new community as what is God doing? Because it's God's church. And the new community, what is the church to be doing because it is God's church? How should we be living in this world? Breaks down very neatly and nicely. Lots of imperatives. Uh, in, in, a, in Ephesians, we get to see the, the, uh, the infinitives and the imperatives working together. That which is true, statements that are true about us in Christ, working together with, okay, this is what we do. And it's fun to see them working together back and forth in the book of Ephesus, and the book of Ephesians, because sometimes we just think, well, what do I do with this? Well, Paul doesn't make it wait very long. Tells you what's true, and then he gets right to what you are to do. Okay? Now, if we were to do a sermon outline, we'd walk through it a little slower. In fact, I would slow it down even more than this. But you can see the different subjects that he... I just realized there's a spelling mistake. It should be the Great Exchange. And chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. But in any case, you can see the different things that he addresses. And one of the things that is really interesting in the letters of Paul, and Ephesians is a great example, is how does Paul pray for believers? That should be a great individual Bible study for you to look at the prayers that Paul has in his letters that he writes to these churches and individuals. How does he pray? And it informs how we should pray today. What are the principles and practices of how we should pray and for what should we pray uh, today? Uh, because I, I want to have God's thoughts on the matter of prayer. I want to know how should I pray? How should I pray for believers? How should I pray for their spiritual maturity, for their growth, for their reconciliation, for their maturity, for living a holy life, for living in community? And God gives us a lot of things to pray for specifically in the letters of Paul. Now we also see that in the prayer life of Jesus as well. Look at how Jesus prayed, where he prayed, what did he pray about. Um, and we can learn from that as well and learn from these good examples. But I don't know how often, uh, for me not often enough, we spend time looking at the prayers that God has already given us in the scriptures and using them in praying back to the Lord or praying on behalf of others. 
So we'll look at one of those as we move, move our way through. So, very practical book. Got some hard things for us. But in the end, there's this great sense of hope and joy and power and fullness. So what are, what are some of the themes that come out of this book? Well, you've gathered by now the church. Paul loves the church. Paul loves the church because God loves the church. And we have to remind ourselves again and again that the church is God's idea. Even the institutional church is God's idea because He's the one that gives elders and pastors. He's the one that gives the instructions for what we should be doing as far as you know, practicing um, Lord's table or practicing church discipline or practicing baptism, having prayer meetings, all these different things. If, if God loves the church and it's His idea, then we should love the church as well. And that means then that the church is, is a vital part of our lives. I don't mean just church activities. There's different church activities and church community where we're actually sharing life together. We're actually ministering to one another. We get to know each other. We're spending time together. Because you can get activities with the Elks, with the Kiwanis, with uh, the Fair Business Bureau, or whatever they call the town. You, you can get activities with people like that, and some of them are very good. But there's some things you can only get in the Church of Jesus Christ. The fellowship, the community of the saints, the encouragement, the, the life-affirming, teaching one to another, the prayer support, serving one another in the community. Uh, it's pretty necessary that we know what the church is and that we'd be involved with the church. Well, when Paul talks about the church, he has a lot to say, of course. And he talks about how the church is its a work of the sovereign, triune God. So in the book of Ephesians, he lets us know what God the Father is doing, what God the Son is doing, what God the Spirit is doing, how they work together in the formation of the church. And that should be encouraging to us then because we know ourselves, right? We know the situations we get ourselves in. And if we're, we're honest, you know, there's some Sunday mornings we may walk in and say, now if I had to pick out of all 8 billion people in the world today and spend Sunday morning with 175 of them, would it be the exact same group that gathers every Sunday morning? Probably not. And yet, it's God's good intended purpose so that we become in Christ. That we, we, we have to cross paths and interact with people that are different from us, different backgrounds, different understandings, different experiences, different levels of social standing, for example, or education or whatever. So it's, it's like that rock tumbler, right? We are the church is a big rock tumbler. And out of it, as we bounce against each other, and that means we hurt each other, as we're knocking those rough edges off, and learn what it is to forgive one another, how do we encourage one another? Uh, but out of it comes what? Beautiful stones of great path. We're those living stones of the temple of God. And so God loves the church, and He loves that we are in the church because He put us in the church, and then He wants us to be involved. And it's, it's this mystery. How is it that sinners can be in relationship with the living God who is holy and be part of a redeemed community? There's a little bit of mystery there, right? Paul uses the term in Ephesus, mystery, in Ephesians, the mystery of the gospel. And he tells us that it is the fact that it is in Christ that we're drawn and brought in and Christ died for us raised from the dead. Christ, God raises us from the dead. We're spiritually dead. He raises us. He unites us in Christ. The barriers come down. Ephesians 2. And now we can communicate one with another and need to work towards it. There's a mystery there. Yes, a good one. Mystery in the Bible doesn't mean like something obscure you can't know anything about. It's a marvel to wonder at how God can do this. And it's something that is now revealed that was hidden before. Okay. The church is to equip us for, to be saints, equip us for ministry, so that we are faithful in the workplace, we are faithful in the home, we are faithful in our marriage, we are faithful in our relationships. Uh, that's what the church is to be involved in helping us, so that on Sunday when we gather, we are that. We are the church gathered. So that the rest of the week we are the church 
scattered so that we could be out in the community interacting with people and when we get beat up and when we get hurt and when we make mistakes, we get back up and come back on Sunday and receive refresh the grace of God, the encouragement that comes from the fellowship of believers, the teaching of the word, we preach the gospel to each other. We get built up again. So, gathered, scattered. Just that's the pattern that we see all throughout the New Testament of what we need. Until that final gathering, right? When Christ returns and we're all gathered and no more scattering. Okay, we look forward to, to that day. But the church is a main, main theme in the book of Ephesians. So let me just stop there. I want to ask the question again. What is the church? Not, and now you help me fill in the blanks. God's people. God's people. Let's write the thing on the board. Okay? That's pretty broad. Okay? God's people serving God. God's people serving God. Just God? One another. Others. Others. Okay? And others can be? One One another. Well, one another, or I was thinking more within. Inside, outside. And without, right? So those, those inside the church and those outside the church. Okay? That's a good start. But there's more we can add to this, okay? What what how how does this happen? What what's that what's that process? What were we before? What are we now? How is that process so we know who is the church? We chose Oh, membership. Redeemed. Is that what you mean? Well, what, what's, what's the testimony that is true of each one of us, according to Ephesians 2? Life in Christ. We were dead, right? So we look at Ephesians 2 because this is our testimony. And you, when you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Right? So it means we were outside. How did we get inside? Got, oh, Christ's death. Okay, Christ's death. So just act this... Well, let's just say Christ's atoning sacrifice, because it's more than just his death. It's his life, his death, his obedience. Okay? Acceptance of Christ as Savior. So, faith. Okay? He's called us. Yeah. Amen. He's called us. So, faith as a response, right, to him than what he's done, right? So faith, so it's... Faith from God. Do I, do I wake up in the morning? I didn't, I didn't have faith this morning at 8 o'clock, but at 9 o'clock Sunday I have faith. Is that, is that how that works? No. Coffee helps. <laughs> Double espresso. Really, man, I'm on top of the world then. Yes. <laughs> faith is always a response, right, to something God has done. Faith is never something that we initiate. It's always a response to something God has done. Okay? So it keeps it God-focused, right? We can talk about the whole idea of redemption. Paul, Paul has all these in the book of Ephesians. We said redemption. Um, we had calling. God's people, what happens to them Let's just when they believe? What, what, what kind of people are they as God's people once they believe? They're Christians. Change. So, okay, I'm, I'm going to use the, the Kai, okay, of Greek. So Christians, Kai was, they would use that for in the early church to represent Christ. Okay, so I'm not being um, wrong here. Okay, just shorthand. They're for what? Not dead. <laughs> well, if you're not dead, you are. Okay, so you're brought to life. Okay, so we are alive. Alive and present. We're alive. We're forgiven. Justified. Okay. Sanctified. <laughs> okay, that's all mentioned. Right? And that's all important. I, I thought we were chosen children of God. Well, yes. So, we're chosen. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. I wasn't around before the foundation of the world, so that means it didn't depend on me. Right? Okay, so 
So yeah, very clearly says chosen, but made alive. That's what happens. We're chosen, we are made alive. And then what? Then we become, this is what we receive, right? I know you don't want this one, but not of ourselves. It's not of ourselves. Not of ourselves. All, all of Christ. Yeah. Okay? Okay? See, this is how he's starting out the letter. He says, in Christ, we have every spiritual blessing. And then he goes on to list those spiritual blessings. In chapter 1. And he lists a whole bunch. Now, there's more than what he lists there. But we have things like redemption, forgiveness, calling, uh, election, uh, our, our union with Christ. With all that is true, right? Chosen, chosen by God. Purchased in Christ. Applied by the Spirit of God. Okay, all that is mentioned in Ephesians. There's more to it, right? I mean, we're, we're alive, we're forgiven, we're justified. Filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Okay. You see how we can jump off of each one of these in the book of Ephesians and just have a real field day. Because all these things are mentioned. And you talk about what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit. In fact, I think that's one of them that we'll, we'll drop down on and do a little... Um, that's the word I've been using in appendix. We'll drop down and look at that one. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Because there's a lot of confusion that goes on about that subject today. So I was dead in my sins and transgressions. So was Jim. We were made alive in Christ. And what now is the relationship between us? We're brothers reconciled and united. Isn't that what it says in chapter 2? Breaking down the wall of division. Now, specifically, it's the Jew and Gentile division that's in mind there, in Paul's mind. But we can think in terms of the fact that anything that separates people, what, what, what we mentioned in the sermon this morning, race or age or, or gender or nationality, whatever it is, the gospel just crumbles all that down. And brings us all in where there is union, unity, and reconciliation. Yes. Yeah. Um, what is up there essentially is all individual, but it's yeah, union, unity, community, family. We are a unit, all of us together. Right. Not just individually. We are more together than we are each separately. Well, in fact, all of these commands are in the plural, second person plural. When Paul writes to the church, he's writing to all the believers. So, And he says, he tells the church at Ephesus, be imitators of God. And that goes out to everyone. All of you believers in the church of Ephesus, chapter 5, verse 1, be imitators of God. And that takes on a whole different dimension than when we think just an individual, how can I be an imitator of God? He's commanding more than that. Yes, of course, in my own life, I need to apply the grace and strength that God has given me to be an imitator of God. But what does it mean for us as a believing community to be imitators of God? What does it mean to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, which is commanded to all believers in Ephesus. What does that look like as a community of believers to walk in the Spirit or be filled with the Spirit? Be long-suffering. Okay. To, to long-suffering. Suffer with one another among other long things. Suffering. Okay. Long-suffering. Patience. Okay. Step out of the world. Stepping out of the world. So I mean, we can fill this board with all kinds of things just right from the book of Ephesians. That would give us enough to really have to chew on the rest of our lives about understanding the gospel, what God has done for us in Christ, chapters 1, 2, and 3, and then applying chapters 4, 5, and 6. There's enough things that keep us busy until the Lord gives us our final breath. That's what makes this so exciting because it's just down to earth. It is, it is theology with its work in its own. It really shows us how to apply and live out. It gets right down to where we live, affecting our thoughts, affecting our emotions, affecting our actions, our decision-making, how we relate to one another. What that tells me is it matters what I do to you. And it matters what you do to me. Because if we are a community, I'm not on my own. Right? And that kind of 
<laughs> Lisa's a little hot under the collar, a little bit nervous because we're like, don't tread on me. Okay? <laughs> Paul's saying in Ephesians, yeah, tread on each other and, and reconcile and apply the gospel in each other's lives. And we start to get frightened because, like, that's not how we are used to doing things. Okay? Do you think first century Ephesian believers were used to doing it that way either? There's a reason why he had to write to this church so they would understand how to overcome paganism, how to overcome the culture, and walk in community. Okay? Yes? As Americans, and we recognize that we are individualistic, yeah. uh, me first, uh, I'm, I can handle it myself, and we know that that's wrong. But how are their uh, attitudes back then? I mean, we can't be the only culture. No, 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 no. There's, there's nothing new under the sun. Right. <laughs> People have struggled with different tendencies all over, whether it's I'm totally conformed to the way the culture is doing. Paul says, don't be conformed to the ways of the world. And then there's the other side, is me and Jesus, we've got a good thing going, don't let anybody come and mess it up. And Paul's like, uh, no, you've been part of, you've been placed into a family. And so now you have to learn to live in a family. And so every culture is somewhere on that continuum, but they all have to deal with that, the individual versus the corporate. Um, and so there's really no one recipe other than, other than we, we go to the Word together and say, Lord, help us understand. And you can get it right or get it wrong at both ends of the yes. spectrum. Yes. That's what we often do. Yes. <laughs> so, first way to be the centrality of the church and what the church is. Second thing is our union with Christ. So, this is where we are going to do a little exercise with the time that we have. I want you to open your Bible to chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And this idea of union with Christ is a little bit unclear in our minds. What does it mean? Just think of it being joined with Christ. Being attached to Christ. Being in, in relationship, an intimate relationship with Christ. And now we see this expression in different ways. In Christ. Okay. In Him. Okay. Now let's, let's just... Let's do a little exercise together. We're going to start in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. We're just going to walk through the chapter. And I want us to identify the things that are true of us in Christ. Okay? The things that are true of us in Christ. So, to, to speed up the process just a little bit, I'm going to divide you into groups. Okay? Because we've got 23 verses here, and try, and try to do all 23 verses with all the different groups. You're going you're to summarize a few verses. Okay? So let's have, let's have this one well, as a big group. Let's have you guys here, and you guys here, and you guys can be a group. And let's have you be a group. Oh boy. Jim's by himself. <laughs> Jim's a group. Why don't you come and join them? So I have that table, that group, once you join that last group, have a table here, kind of a small group, once you join them. I'm going to split you guys up. So you come over here, you come over here, Carol will join them, okay? So we got 23 verses, right? And how many groups do I have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay. That doesn't, doesn't add up evenly, but that's okay. So... We're, gonna, we're only going to do this for three minutes. That's why we got to go fast. You guys have verses one to three. Okay? The next group, the next table. No, you have verses one and two. I'm sorry. One and two. The next one you have uh, three and four. The last table, I want you to do five and six. Over here, do verse seven and eight. This group is going to do nine and ten. The last table, I want you to do 11 to 12. If we don't get to the whole thing, that's okay. The next table, 13 and 14. Now it starts to spread out a little bit. Okay? 
So why don't you guys see what you can find out in 15 to 23, because now that they're a little, a little bit far spaced out, okay? So what I want you to do is just take a look at the verses you have and find out what is true of us or what we have in Christ as we look at our union with Christ. So we're going to take three minutes, just rattle them off as you can, talking to one another, have your list, and we're just going to do a shotgun approach when we get it on the board, okay? You don't have you don't have many verses one and two. You got a couple of things in our some extent. Okay. okay. That's good. Let's move on to the next one. Okay. You're giving us a commentary on the whole thing. Okay. Verses 3 and 4. Blessed with every spiritual blessing. Blessed. Chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. So that so the chosen is so that we are. There's a purpose. Yeah. Okay. To be holy and blameless before Him. Okay. In love. Okay. Yeah. So the next one's five and six. Anything? Five and six. Come on, you got the, you got the big ones. Predestined. Okay. <laughs> Predestined. Adopted. Anything else? Given grace. Okay. 
purpose of his will. So, so that again, okay? There's always a purpose behind it. Okay? What do we got going on in, uh, what do we say, 7 and 8? Uh, redemption is blood. Redemption? <laughs> Forgiveness of our trespasses to his wisdom and insight and grace. Forgiveness? I think he said wisdom. Oh, yes. Insight and grace. Okay. Wisdom and insight. And grace. Okay. Well, <laughs> Yeah, Grace is already mentioned up here. Okay. Uh, the next one's where we're at. Uh, is it, where are we at? Nine and ten? Nine and ten? The mystery of God's will in Christ. So God's purpose. And then to unite all things in him, whether heaven or earth. Unite all things. Okay. Next one. Don't thirteen. Right? We've obtained an, uh, 12, we've obtained an inheritance. We're in the praise of His glory, and our hope is in Christ. Praise of His glory. That's a key phrase for Paul. His glorious praise, praise of His glory. Okay. <coughs> Anything else? Guarantee of our inheritance. Okay. Fit, uh, Thirteen. Yes. Um, you trusted after you heard, uh, sealed with the Spirit, and then you asked. What else do you We heard, we believed. We heard, we believed. Okay. Aimed. And all this is a notice that this all came, you know, after we already talked about what we've done. Our response, right? Came after all of that. Okay. Uh, and the last section is the biggest one, but there's a few things you can pull out there. Faith and love. Hope and riches. Great power and union. Inheritance. Spirit of wisdom and revelation. Uh, revelation, you want to put where I got Enlightened. You're enlightened. Okay, enlightened. Okay, that, that'll be enough to keep us busy for a while. Okay? So, think about this. As we sit here this morning, with the privilege of having an open Bible in front of us, we talked about last week the celebrating Reformation, the cost that it took for us to get that, right? And we've written everything down. But when we talk about our union with Christ, our relationship, our intimate connection to Christ, in one chapter, is the blessings of God. I think that if we were to meditate on all of this and, and look at it, it would do something to our prayer and praise life. Because look at all the things that we can give thanks for. Look at all the things we can pray for others to grow in their understanding because of the, the prayer that they grow in wisdom and insight, right? That we grow in understanding of the revelation that was given to us. Do you think Paul is trying to get the people of Ephesus to understand who they are as they separate from a pagan and sinful culture? Do you think our people need to hear the same message today as they live in the midst of a pagan and sinful culture? We need to be reminded of whose we are and what he has done for us in Christ. And once this gets a hold of our souls and grips us, we'll never be the same. In fact, I dare say it'll take forever to get over. <laughs> and we want everyone to get over, right? Because it's so beautiful. You wake up in the morning, your neighbor says something to you, or something happens on the grocery store, you're a flat tire, you get relieved of your job, uh, your child gets sick. This is life, right? This is life as it happens. You go to the Word of God and say, this is the anchor for my soul right now. That I'm in Christ. And these things are true of me. And so I can face whatever comes, not because of me, because of Him working in me, the glories of Christ. Okay?
see how this this is practical theology lived out. And this is what Paul wants to do with the church in Ephesus, is showing them in a very real way what Christ has done. And so we should never be people who don't have anything for which to give thanks. So all we need to do is just crack open this gift that God has given us and just start reading and we can start praying. Right? Because it's all right there. That doesn't mean life won't be hard. It doesn't mean it won't be sad. It doesn't mean it won't be difficult. It means that when all of that happens, because we live in a sinful, imperfect world, these things cannot change. This has got to be how you read your Bible, too. Though. Yes. I mean, you got to yes. eight sentences. Yes. I, you know, it was, it was said, I just forgot his name. Uh, grace abounds to the chief of sinners. It'll come to you. Johnson Edwards? Hmm? Johnson Edwards? No. No, uh, British, uh, uh, Baptist pastor thrown in prison, wrote the Holy War, wrote the Church of Progress. John Bunyan. John Bunyan. Just, as soon as I wanted to call his name, it, it dropped. <laughs> John Bunyan, it was said of him that, that he was so saturated with the Word of God. He'd been in prison for the Word of God, the preaching. He was so saturated that said, uh, Spurgeon said if he were to cut it, he would bleed by the Okay? Don't you want to be that person? You're so in the Word, focusing on these truths, that these truths get in you. And this is the response that comes out. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. And this is just a small part. And that's only chapter 1. Okay? I, I just, I'm so thankful for the Word of God. I'm so thankful for the grace of God. I got a hold of my life so many years ago. Because I'm such a blessed and undeserved person. But, because this is true, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> Does he ever see us at all? Does he ever see us at all? So, yes, of course he does. But with the tender eyes of a father who is lavish in his love, who knows what he has done to forgive us, right, and has set us free, but who also loves us so much that he desires that we become like Jesus, that he's not afraid to discipline us. And the writer of Hebrews says that even Jesus had to learn what that cost of discipline was of, of, of obeying the Father and suffering for sin. Not his own. So, yes, he does. He, and he knows exactly how he made us, right? Because he did make us. And he delights over what he has made and how much more over what he has redeemed. And then of what he's going to glorify and bring into his presence forever. You know? God is, a, God is a happy God in the best sense of the word. Okay? And that's, and then, so when we say that we are chosen in Him, that we are saints, in the beloved, we are forgiven, we are adopted, we're full of grace and wisdom. Wow. All we can say is thank you. And aren't we glad that we have the book of Ephesians to help us understand some of this? Uh, to know what the church is. This is the church. So God loves the church. So then the question becomes, do we love the church? Mm. Are we willing to stand with the church, serve with the church, fight with the church when it's appropriate, and fight for the church when it's appropriate? Because, we're, tough. because we're part of a redeemed community, right? And he addresses that in chapter 2. <laughs> we have to learn to get along, okay? He talks about powers and fullness. This one we'll talk about briefly and then we'll close for the day. And I will cook. We'll finish Ephesians next week, if the Lord wills. And then we will look at a couple of uh, shorter passages and, and drill down into the message of Ephesians. He talks a lot about powers and fullness. Doesn't he? Let me give you a little key to understanding what he's doing. If you look at, and this table read the verses, but if you look at chapter 1, Okay? In chapter 1, starting in about, let's say verse 20, uh, Howard has talked about all, so that he worked in Christ and he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, 
far above, verse 21, all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over the, all things to the church, which is his body. So we are the body of Christ, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So we have references what? That Christ is seated far above all rules and authorities and powers and dominions. Okay? We get that, right? Now let's turn to chapter 6. Where we're told that we engage in spiritual warfare, right? Finally, verse 10, chapter 6, Be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. So all the blessings that we have that are in Christ, that are given to us, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So that tells us that the slippery and sly one is out there. For what? We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. The things that are mentioned here in chapter 12, I'm sorry, chapter 6, verse 12, are the things that Christ sits above and rules over in chapter 1. So when we enter into spiritual warfare, not only are we fully armed, we already have a defeated enemy. And therefore we can walk away. And that's what Paul said, stand firm. Because of all these things, who we are in Christ. That's why he takes three chapters to talk about who we are in Christ, so that when he applies it, it keeps going back to, because we're in Christ, we can walk in spiritual victory over all of these things. Which means we don't have to be out doing silly and goofy things that I sometimes see people doing in the name of spiritual warfare. Now here it clearly says, we wrestle against these things that Christ has already defeated, and we are in Christ. So spend your time praising Christ, confessing your sins, proclaiming Christ, living in community with one another, and preach the Word of God, and confess your sins, and stand in the righteousness of Christ. These are all the things that are ours. So He wants us to walk in power and in victory, full of joy and hope. And He's already promised, right? We're going to talk about faith and love and power and dominion and insight and wisdom and hope and faith. We already have those things in Christ. Therefore, we can walk through this life filled with those sins and have spiritual victory. You see how it puts it together? He wants us to be sure by the time we get to the end that we know who we are. Okay? Alright, let's go ahead and close our time for today. We'll finish up with Ephesians next week and see where the Lord takes us as we move into the next week. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here. Now, would you bless the, the word that you've given to us? Would you guide us this week with the hope that is in this world, in this word, as we walk in this world that is against this word? But we know, Father, that we will prevail because you are with us and you've placed us in Christ. So help us to walk in that joy walk in that obedient, 